When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Now, Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. What's with this use in the medicine? What's up? Weed. Everybody smoking. Everyone's taking their medicine. Calm down, Zuckerman. Calm down. We haven't even started the show, and you're you're crazy here. You're out of control. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a good one uh, this week on Spike's Car Radio. You can leave all that in, Will. It's a nice soft start. Uh, Zuckerman, uh, Zuckerman, I I don't know. You're in the same mood that I am um, today. Uh, Up and down. (laughs) Up and down. Well, I should first mention that we've got uh, uh, Alonzo Bowden on the show. Um, I think that's how you pronounce his name, right? Alonzo Baden. He's a stand-up comedian, car guy, motorcycle guy. He's going to be a really fun interview. We're going to get to him in a second. But on the way here, no lie, I was almost hit four times. <laughs> four times I had almost an emergency, like getting that, my Range Rover Sport out of the way because of idiot drivers. And I can tell you, the same thing probably happened to you. You're upset about people on the road. All it's, the time. It's getting crazy here. Here's the thing. So, so when I come over here, would I you t- just? But wait, would you just agree with that statement? Yes. Uh, L. A. is getting worse by the day by with the, the distracted day. driving. By the distracted driving, poor drivers, people with limitations, people. <laughs> okay, Uber guys that shouldn't be Uber guys. Uber, that don't, yes, that the don't, Uber and the Lyft drivers are the worst of them. Okay, I have a little thing about these companies. So, if you're going to be an Uber driver, you have to use a navigation. Uh, device to go along with what you're doing. You you click over to either Waze or, or Maps or something like that, and those those devices don't necessarily take you the safest way. So you might be on a side street trying to cross all seven lanes of Olympic because that's what but Maps th- told you. This isn't you. what. I, here's what I'm noticing, and this is not meant to denigrate any of you Uber and Lyft drivers, but a lot of you don't know how to drive. That's like, right. And is, then, and then are, they, you, you can't, you're not finding work, so they go, well, I'll just drive, but you're not drivers. You are not a chauffeur. You are not a livery driver. And this isn't everybody. I don't want to generalize. I never like yeah, to stereotype. I do. I do. But I'm noticing a lot of really slow driving in the left lane, a lot of really dangerous entries onto the road. Whenever I see something nuts now, half the time I look and there's that little Be- Uber or Lyft thing in the window. I'll tell you what the factors are. The factors are, A, you're not a good driver to begin with. B, you don't know where the hell you are. And C, you're looking at your navigation device. Right. And D, you don't have any common sense, which means <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna stop and allow people to get into and out of my vehicle <clears throat> in mm-hmm. the most dangerous place. Yes. Here's a pet peeve of mine, all right, because I came over here on small This is good. Streets. I like this. Let's start pet putting peeves. together driving okay. uh, driver pet peeves. Here's another one. Opening the door all the way into the roadway and then not getting out of the car because you have to text or you have to do something else. And I really wish one day I'm going to get an old like Ram Charger or Bronco and I'm just going to drive and take doors. So you don't, you're not learning your lesson. I'm just going to take your freaking door It's amazing off. that people still do that. That's the old, that's one of the old ones, right? You don't open your door in a traffic or you're going to lose your door. I had the pleasure recently of watching that happen right in front of me. I'd it's like exactly that. what you said. It was a Prius. They opened the door in the traffic uh, on the street where I live, and the person just sat there, and a gardener came up the street, or a construction worker in his truck, his Ford F-150, and blasted that door into the heavens. I will pay for the damages because that makes me so happy. It's, and then I went by the person and looked at them, and they were just stunned, like, I can't believe this happened, that I opened the door yeah. into traffic and someone knocked my door <laughs> 
door off and when they you know how much, how much of that car was destroyed I it's love not it. just your door it's the door frame it's the front left fence the this whole is, thing was destroyed and the door flew off it was beautiful the, the glass windshield was gone oh god the best part of my day right now was hearing <laughs> that story here's another thing that bugs me okay yes and then you, I want to get into what you do that bugs other people. Okay. I, think right, I, I do lots of things. But let's, co- let's talk about other people. It's what about right what about you got to smoke your medicine, right? I <laughs> right. thought, you All know, right. smoking your medicine. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, talking medical marijuana, right? right? I get on the road and that's all I can smell. How the hell with the weed as strong as it is these days are people smoking and driving? Yeah, be- because a lot of it's getting vaped. And and I think people feel comfortable doing it now because they they they'll think the cops are going to think they're vaping tobacco, right? I know, uh, y- you know, you and yeah, I have yeah, a, a we friend. Saw it. We, saw we it. have a friend who's a, a car person who loves to vape and has vaped around us. And you're never quite sure what he's putting in his little vaporizer, right? But frequently he says, "Yeah, there's there's weed in there every once in a while," and and who's going to know? So imagine the you know the police officer. How, how do they know what these guys are on? They don't know what anyone's on, and then and they can't. And that's imp- what and people are driving around like that. The other thing we have is the 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 distracted driving with the iPhone, the the phone right on the lap. Or have you seen this one? You and I were talking about this one the other day. I called you up and you answered this question, which I appreciated. Why am I seeing so many women take their phone? And holding it in front of flat in front of their mouth, and like, it's funny because I used to think that was like, an what aff- is that? I, th- I used to think that was an affectation. Like, look how fancy I no, am. No, I thought they thought I thought the the women of L.A. thought this was hands free. And, and I, I and, always said no, when I would see them, I go, "That's one and, hand." And I asked somebody <laughs> that because I looked at that and I said, "Look at her." It just it, it kind of made me angry. See? Right, and, and then somebody yeah. said, "Why somebody, are there so many of do it?" But you had some, the perfectly logical explanation. Makeup, they it. don't want to get makeup on the phone. Right. War if you've paint. ever looked at your wife's or girlfriend's phone, you Disgusting. know how it's got the gooey, the, the yeah, <sighs> jelly all over it. That's that's what they've learned is they put it in front of their mouth like this and they don't stuff, do that. The stuff they're spackling their faces with. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was impressed. I was like, well, that's good. Well, occasionally I have to wear makeup. I'm gonna um, maybe I'm gonna do that. Spackle your face. <laughs> I don't know why they don't just use their Bluetooth, right? Tell explain this one to me, Zuckerman, because this this happens to me a lot. Where someone cuts me off, and I will notify them with my horn, with just a little toot, just like a pop pop, like hey, you know, you don't, you didn't see me, but I want to make sure that you know I'm here. And then they flip me off, right? Because for you, <laughs> because and then I get a little angry about because that. Because how dare you say something to me? Don't right. you know who I am? <laughs> the don't you know who I am syndrome? <laughs> right. You can't beat but me now. I can beat but everyone else. It's, the, it's my joke about when I get on the road. I am the chief of police. I am. I. I write all the rules. I enforce all the rules, and I break all the rules. But right. I can do that. You can't do that. Right. But you and I kind of do that in real life. We're that guy, right? I would imagine there are many people in Los Angeles that have complained about the two of us in our driving, especially that Malibu drive we do, which sometimes, depending on the wheels we're in, like you, you don't want to be anywhere near us when we're in GT threes. Well, I remember the time I was in a Carrera GT and the doctor had given me some steroids and I was droid man and some poor guy cut me off and I, I wanted to run him off the road with my Carrera GT. But what, I, what, what are the? I mean, why do we? And we all do this. We have these moments where you feel so attacked and suddenly you're out of your car and and you're yelling at somebody. And you're like, how did I? Why is this such a why why do we get so angry in cars? Like well, what is I mean, going on with the psychology there? Reason and you can go into other cultures. Like you go to Italy where people drive like animals. They do and they there, never yeah. but they never get out of the car. They never try to kill each other. No, they uh, fly around beeping their horn constantly. No, 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 and you know, right. and just run right at you and run right by right. you. They understand that's the culture. But here, I think we're also stressed out and then when we get into our cars, which is like a suit of armor. Um, and we feel safe and we feel in our own universe. I've, I've noticed more women give the finger than men do. <laughs> yeah, and, that's and true. Then, and I say to myself, they must really feel you know, protected where they could, they are, they feel safe to uh, respond in a way they would not do in person. Um, I, ha- I was flipped off by a teenage girl this weekend. On the PCA, cracked the finger off <laughs> and thrown it into the ocean. I just wonder what she was, you know, what she was thinking. It's just like here in LA, I'm not, I'm not, 
I'm not flipping anybody off because I don't know who has the gun. You know, it happens is too often. It happens here, and and you know what I mean. So why would this wayfish young woman decide to flip off me? I, you know, and I'm a tough looking dude. You are. You scare <laughs> I'm a scary, kind of scary guy when I don't have my glasses you know on. Yeah, and... I'm driving the 71, the Leaf Green 71, and yeah. I realize because the car has limitations, I'm. A nicer driver, and I'm in a better mood. Right. I'm in when I'm in, say that Turbo S or an aggressive. It's black. It's fast. Or an aggressive RS. I'm a more aggressive driver, and I'm an angrier driver. <clears throat> that I've noticed is like what you know when you get in an old Mercedes diesel, right? Like something like that. It takes you right out of the game, and it can be right. you, you can are chill. a man. You are a man among men. You're right, 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 right. Yeah, right size. Exactly. You're, the Volkswagen Beetle does that, too. The right. old Volkswagen Beetles. Right. You jump in those. I can't compete. My old Land Rover does that. I, I can't I can't even get up to traffic speed, so you guys you guys play just today. Just do your thing. Yeah, I'm you, out of the game. I'm, I'm out a, of the game. I'm not ultimate fighting on the road anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there, should be, there should be stickers on the car. I'm, I'm in the senior division of fighting. Right. right? <laughs> um, well, yeah. Here's another I thing I hate. How do, C- how cigarette do you, butts out the window. Yeah, I don't like the, any of that stuff. I, I, it makes me crazy when I see people litter, right? Yeah, I mean, right. It's, that's just a basic courtesy thing. Wh- you know? Why is it not okay in your car but okay in the rest of the world? <laughs> right. I'm going to pollute my lungs. Yes. But, uh, but well, I don't even know where I'm going with that. Um, so how do we calm down, Zuckerman? How, what are your tips it. for Self- calming down on the road? One here, I heard a great one kind of Jay Leno's uh, motorcycle rule, which I will adopt to cars, which is he, he never gets on a, on a motorcycle when he's late. Right. Because that's a recipe for death, right? Right. Absolutely. But I find more often than not, if I throw myself in a car to get to an appointment early, I'm not freaking out, right? I'm not racing and raging, right? Uh, absolutely. That's a good one. And, and but the problem and, is- And, and, and the, have you ever read the articles that say the, uh, you got to tell yourself, we, we all share the road together. <laughs> We're sharing. This is not your road. Because when you're in your car, you think, this is my drive. This is my road. And everybody better get out of my way, right? Uh, it, uh, cars, it, it does bring out the worst in me. I have, I'm slightly on the aggressive side, naturally, to begin <laughs> with. I run a little hot. It helps you in, in, in law. Right. In, in many ways, it's, it's <laughs> what, what my talents are also my trouble. Right. So, yes, what makes me successful in law does not make me successful for sharing the road with you. I but want... your stories are so wonderful. I like it. I mean, I, I don't want you to calm down. Because I, I want to calm I, down. I, there's nothing I love more than our Friday's Chaconi's, uh lunch that we have in West Hollywood right. with, with Johnny and you. And when we all tell our stories, and those are some of the best stories. I, I love those. I know, but those are. And then, and I know, but usually they come. But then the ex- there's the shame, right? They the come shame, at the expense right. of shame, right? Right, because right? you do feel ashamed of yourself after you've gotten out of the car, and, and, <laughs> and I'm out of the car, and I'm 53, and this guy's 58, right. and we're we're gonna clobber each other, and and it's just so That's embarrassing. So funny. It's so how quick does the shame come for you? Usually the oh, shame, instantly. like if, if I've uh, if I have flipped off an old lady or something. I'm not saying I have. But Maybe I have. <laughs> I never feel justified. It's not until I get for... home where I go, oh, did I just do that? Yeah, I don't feel justified for very long. <laughs> I don't. I feel shame. I'm, I'm, I feel shame quickly. And then the, the, the added difficulty of doing it with your kids in the car, oh, you really have to, you're trying to demonstrate good dad skills and driving skills. But, you know, I can only keep that together for five My minutes. My son was in a car days. seat once and I had to follow somebody. And then when he got out of his car, I got out and I said to him, you drive like that again and I'll strangle you. With <laughs> 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 a kid in a car seat. That's excellent. Oh, it's embarrassing. No, it's embarrassing. It is. What's wrong with me? Well, look, we're talking about it. We're talking about it because we want to be better. We want to be better on the road. We're having group therapy with everybody who's listening. (laughs) Send us your stories. Yeah, that's a good idea. Send us stories of of, of your most shameful moment upon the road. I'm going to post that on Instagram, and we will definitely read some of those. I've uh, I've thought about doing that show, Your Best Road Rage Stories. Uh, and, And if you're listening, sure, send them in. Uh, I'll post something uh, on my Instagram that says Spikes Car Radio. You'll see it there. And, uh, yeah. Share your shame. Share your shame. 
All right. Well, Alonso Baden's on the show, and we're going to go to him right now. Zuckerman, I know you're saying goodbye. I know you got to get back to work and make money. The money. I need to buy more cars. And as Zuckerman leaves, Alonzo is here. Sir, very nice to meet you. Hello. This is the first time I've ever met you. I know. I've seen you uh, in a lot of places. <laughs> I've wondered about you. <laughs> what I like about you is you're, you're a comedian, but you're also a gearhead. Very much so. Yeah, yeah very yeah. much so. So you're in that little category, that sweet spot for our show here on Spike's Car Radio, because that's, that's me. That's uh, your buddy Leno. That's yeah. Seinfeld. That's yeah. all, you know, we all like comedy. We like cars. And yeah. you like motorcycles. I love motorcycles. And I'm a motorcycle guy. Oh, very cool. Very so, cool. Um, but first, you know, in, in case you don't know him, you probably, we have to go where? Back to 2003 to, to know that you were the winner of, of uh, I think it was, Last Comic? I think it was 05. Standing. 05. Yeah, but yeah. So maybe that's when you placed. That was the, uh, yeah, I, so I did season two, came mm-hmm. in second, and then fortunately they had a season three. So I came back and won, but they canceled the final episode. So <laughs> I, I go down in history as the unknown winner of Last Comic Standing. Now, the thing about that show, you know, I, I make shows like this now, and I kind of see how they work from the inside out. But my sense of that show, without knowing too much about it, was that these were already established comedians. Oh, yeah. Right, competing, yeah. right? You're already pretty big on the scene. You're already doing your thing. Mm-hmm. And now they're going to pretend to discover you, right? Well, Is that you- – Am I wrong? Go ahead. Tell no, me. you weren't. You're not wrong. What more? It was like we were established club comedians. Um, Kathleen Madigan, who was on the season, she was probably the biggest name. Kathleen uh-huh. had been around. She'd done a Tonight shows, and she'd had one one hour special at that time. But the rest of us, we were we were ready for that show. You know, we were touring right. clubs. We'd done the occasional. I think at that point I had done Conan's late night show in uh-huh. New York. And, you know, so we had done a couple of things here and there, but but nobody was known. So, yeah. So they. So once they, you win, what are you winning then? What's the incentive? Aside you, know, from- you know what it is? It's It was being on TV. It right. was being on because the show was, and in that's prime back when time. people were watching TV. Right, exactly, exactly. It was in, <laughs> not like now where there's no TV, time and there were there, what you know. We had TV. The thing we didn't have was social media. Right. Okay. We had MySpace. Mm-hmm. So I remember you that. You know, Last Comic got me thousands of MySpace followers, <laughs> which uh, hasn't exactly done much. But but ten no, year olds was, from uh, across the world. Yeah. <laughs> that was the um, the thing. It was being on TV, so people recognize your name. And for the first year after the show, it was it was crazy. It was like, oh, this is what it's like to be a star. Oh wow! Like like a friend of mine who opened for me, he said, I can always tell when you've been on TV by how many cars are in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, he's like, the lot's full. Yeah, he's been working. If the lot's not too full, he's like, yeah, things are a little slow. It really does help on the road, right? This Absolutely. exposure, especially Absolutely. television exposure, to sell tickets. Yeah. And you tour a lot right now? All the time. Yeah, oh, yeah. Where time. can we catch so, up with you? So we're, um, you're going to be on, we're recording in the early December here, so you're up in a maybe three weeks, right? Right. Will, where, 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 are we, where are we airing this show right now? Right before Christmas? Just before yes. Christmas? Yeah. Just before Christmas. Well, so. um, Christmas week, I'll be around L.A. The Laugh Factory in Hollywood's kind of my home club. And then the first weekend of January, I'll be in New York. I'll be at Gotham's Comedy Club. Oh, great. It's a great so club. That'll be, yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, but, but yeah, I'm always traveling. Did you grow up here in L.A.? No, I grew up in New York. I grew, grew up, up in Queens. New York. So how is it that you're a gearhead? Like, where where, where does that start in New York? Because most guys I, think, I know from New York don't even have driver's licenses. I think I was destined for L.A. <laughs> I... Um, you, my, my first love was motorcycles. Before mm, cars, too. it was motorcycles. And that came from my grandmother had a farm in South Carolina, and it was a family that, like, rented land. And the son had a bike. And and all I can remember about the bike is it had to be a British twin. It was either a BSA or a Triumph, something like that, because mm-hmm. this was in late 60s. Um, and he took us for rides up and down this dirt road on the yeah. farm. And I loved it. I yeah. loved, and I fell in love with bikes. And so I started reading the magazines, right, because that's your only connection. Mm-hmm. And then cars, it was a thing, just something, you know, gearheads are born, right? There's something in you that you like that sound or you like the idea of horsepower. So 
Well, for me, it was a way to drive away from my family. <laughs> That's what I like. But the early, early mo- thing was a motorcycle thing for yeah. me. Like it, it was going down to, to Betancourt Honda in West Bridgewater, Massachusetts, and just staring at these two wheel oh, things I used for to sale. Do that all the time. My mom's uh, at the time was an emergency room nurse, and had just she, she would just come home and go, "You're never." She would just right. say out of the blue, "You're never having a motorcycle." Yeah, emergency it's room. It's never, it's never happens. Not and every weekend we go out there and we go, we got to find a way onto one of these things. We didn't have any money, so we never got one. But you know, my my, I had this super cool uncle, uh, still do, Uncle Tim. He's a professional photographer, and he had a Hodaka Combat Wombat two-stroke <laughs> Jap bike, and he gave. He goes, look. He goes, I'm going to give this to you, but I'm going to tell your dad that I, you need to store it in the garage, and I have no place to store it. But it's really yours. Just don't tell him it's yours. I'm also going to tell him you need to ride it once a week to keep it keep it going. And that became my first bike nice. and first obsession. And those things are, you know, they're they're horrible. They 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 foul plugs all the time. They're if you look at look, Google Hodaka Combat Wombat and look at this beautiful old dirt bike. With a stainless steel tank. Yeah, and well, now, I mean, red on a, there. that's just, a whole world now, those vintage dirt bikes yeah, and stuff like that. I had people no, are, well, back then it was. People are the, collecting those. Like now, somebody would grab a Hodaka. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would grab one. Yeah. To, in a, a sad attempt to buy back my youth. <laughs> but it, I do remember it was really heavy, and it never really worked right. Like, there are much better choices for off road bikes, but that, that, motorcycle thing after you know that moment was it's just that you know i tell people sometimes privately i'm more of a motorcycle guy than a car guy because that aloneness on the road or out in the woods is something i just love yeah i I tell people it's being alone in my helmet right it's just uh (laughs) it's a meditative place and i'll tell you my recapture of youth i bought a honda grom oh yeah because when go. I was a kid, my dad would never let me have a mini bike. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Well, I can have one now." Yeah. So I and I love my Grom. And what it's do you? How do you use fun. that? I I run around the neighborhood on it, and we also on occasion. Um, there's a group called M1 GP. Friend of mine named Young Lee. Yes, I'm doing a plug, and <laughs> he has this mini bike racing series. Right, they race little like 50 cc dirt bikes that they put street tires on and stuff and he teaches kids to ride but you also have adults who we go to a go-kart track like at willow springs and you you have grown-ups on little tiny bikes racing on a go-kart track (laughs) having a ball having a ball you know it's it's like you're doing 30 miles an hour and you're fighting for a corner you know and you do that you're a big guy right what are you six four or something six three and i do yeah and i'm not the biggest guy on the grom (laughs) <laughs> There's a bunch of us, you know, that we get out there and have a ball. Yeah. So what was your first uh, motorcycle? Was that CB what you bought first? F, the Honda 404. Wow. The old four-cylinder uh, Honda with the cool exhaust pipes. Yeah. That's yeah. a great bike. Yeah, and how old were you when you got that bike? bike? I was 18. You were 18. I, I got a bike. I moved here. I grad, I went to aviation high school in New York and learned what to does fix that mean? planes. It's, it's a high school where you learn to trade, so... Oh. I got licensed to fix airplanes. Oh, okay. All right. And then I was hired by Lockheed, which used to be in Burbank. So uh-huh. I moved to L.A. And I was one of those people that bought a bike before I bought a car. Yeah. So my first vehicle was the 400. Yeah. Well, when I turned 18, I bought a motorcycle. That's yeah. what I bought when I went to school in Boston. I had a, a, Z, a, a Ninja ZX600R. Uh-huh. That mm-hmm. uh, and I remember getting on it in that first ride and just flying down the road and looking down and seeing I was going eighty miles an hour and I was like I can't believe this yeah it feels like I'm going twenty and well I'm I, I tell people like back in those days I'm I'm so I'm talking early eighties I said yeah this is how you learn they they gave you the key they said this is how you shift these are the brakes right. and if you make it home alive you should be okay <laughs> right like yeah. now they have the the MSF riding courses and rider training for new people, and I recommend it to anyone who wants to start Absolutely. riding. Absolutely, but I was like, oh yeah, back in our day, yeah, you just, that's right. You learn by doing. You're exactly <laughs> right. I went down there and I wrote a check with my lawn mowing money or whatever I was doing. I think it was bartending at that point, and I and I just said, yeah, give me that. They gave me a helmet, and I just rode off. <laughs> went yeah, to school yeah, on like, it. Yeah, I luck. was lucky enough to be around um, one of my good friends' family. They were motocrossers. And, you know, every once in a while he would let me ride his bike out in the woods because we lived in, in the suburbs, so he'd go out in the woods in him. And he was very good at communicating, like, uh, just this is how you're going to die tips. Mm-hmm. Leno, who was just here recently, had had one of the better ones, too. Um, 
but but Jeff's was uh, his nickname was Scuzz actually. Scuzz's was you're going to die in an intersection. So that's where you want your eyes and ears open on a bike, yeah. right? Leno was saying he never gets on a bike if he's late. That's his rule because mm-hmm. if he's late, he's probably he, he might make a mistake, right? Um, do you have any? They uh, told tips? me the front brake. What do you mean? They told me learn to use the front brake. They said the front brake is going to stop you, right? Right? Because because when you you're come from bicycles, whatever you're like, oh, don't hit the front brake. You go over the handlebars and right. that whatever. And uh, and I don't even remember who it was, but it was someone who rode who said, nah, this is a motorcycle. They don't flip over. The front brake's going to stop you. It's going to save your life. Right. And uh, yeah, so I learned. I, and then when you go on sport bikes, it's really funny. On sport bikes, you almost don't use the rear brake. Like the front <laughs> brakes are so powerful and you're so used to using them. That when I started riding on cruisers and big touring bikes and stuff, I was like, oh, you got to use all the brake. Like, this thing's heavy. Like, yeah, you can't yeah. use just the front. You got to use front and rear. But yeah, the front brake. And the other thing, and it's funny, I was just reading an article in a magazine, um, and this guy mentioned it. They said, ride like everyone's out to kill you like just, <laughs> right. you know you just have that awareness right like like here just come in here i was coming over Coldwater canyon and this guy you know it's a line of traffic. by the way we my co-host has to leave we started our show oh, with no we started these shows this show with these stories we were both talking about how we were almost hit i was almost hit four times on the way here yeah he had his little interaction now you're walking in and you're telling us the same thing yeah so so traffic is all stopped yep you know and this guy in a pickup truck just decided yeah, i'll just turn right you know and <laughs> and so i just did one of those you're on your bike right him. now yeah so i just did one of those loops around him as he started to <sighs> turn and i'm sure i didn't see his face but i'm sure his eyes just exploded cuz they they're looking right at you on a bike, but they don't see you. Right, right. You know, they're looking through you. And then if you move or something, then they're like, he came out of nowhere. It's like, <laughs> nope, nope, I do not have magical powers. I was here the whole time. Do you, so, do you, you get know, caught up in the road rage thing at all? We were talking about a, it earlier in the show and how we, we all struggle with it. Yeah, um, you know, you can't live in L.A. and not get caught up in road rage you know, and I think more so. Well, on a bike, I don't get as mad because I have maneuverability and I expect the worst. Right. But the thing on a bike, you get to see what people are doing in cars, yes. and it's so funny when they say, "Don't text and drive." It's like I would be so happy if they were only texting. <laughs> right. You know, I've seen iPads on the steering yep. wheel while they're watching a mm-hmm. movie. I've seen, you know, I've seen newspapers open. Like I, I fully once, opened, like yeah, I'll just read the news. I once and, saw know. a woman with a cigarette out the window and a salad in the yeah, right hand eating, driving. Yeah, it's not just yeah. eating a burger or a sandwich. <laughs> no, no, I have a, a salad plate and a fork. <laughs> yeah, and and you're just like, this is amazing. You well, know? then don't don't you think maybe you shouldn't be on the road on a motorcycle then with all this going oh, on? Because no, you know, it's like it's no. you're not. We're not going to change that. It it no. is getting much worse here. I think a big part of the problem is enforcement, and and there aren't an, there isn't enough money for police officers out there to add more of them to stop this right. stuff so everybody feels like we can you know we or you can do whatever you want run whatever stop sign you want right yeah but but i couldn't imagine not riding like you know to, i tell everyone riding a motorcycle in la is playing the biggest game of frogger in the world. <laughs> you're playing right. frogger all the time but but at the same time like can you imagine now, I live in Studio City, right? right? You're here, Beverly Hills adjacent. Yep. So 10 miles apart in distance mm-hmm. by car, mm-hmm. an hour. Yeah. On my bike, 20 minutes. 20 minutes. How many brushes with yeah. death every drive? Ah, just one. <laughs> one or two, right? But, but you know, that's... but that's the difference. Like, when you talk about road rage, when you're sitting in that car and, and it just stops. And the funny yeah. thing about L.A., because I travel everywhere and traffic, I've I me and another friend are the two who agreed that New York is as bad as L.A. Even though they say yeah, LA no, is it's worse. bad. It's it's worse than it's ever. But been. the thing about L.A. is you never know when it's going to happen. Like I'm I'm on my way over here. It's noon and traffic just stops. You're like. Shouldn't you people be at work? Right. Shouldn't you be doing so? You know, it's so. It's no, not- everybody's going to lunch. There's a yeah. mi- there's a midday traffic jam every day now because everybody's driving to lunch. There isn't any specific rush hour at any given time. You know, a freeway may stop. And I was talking to a traffic engineer one time, and he was showing me this: how like three cars can stop the four hundred five. Really? You know, because 
they slow down, right? And then people try to go around them. Now, when you're going around, when you cut into a lane, that lane slows down. Right. You know what I mean? And that's how it builds. And he said, yeah, it, it, he said, imagine dropping like a stone into a stream. Now the water has to go around the stream. Well, that water, I mean, it's the stone, the water going around the stone is holding up the, uh, the flow of all the water, you know, and he mm-hmm. said, and that's how he said, that's how traffic jams build. He said, it only takes a couple of people, and you've seen it. You've seen the people, like, they'll bump into each other on the freeway and then get out of the car on yeah, the freeway. Right. Like, what, what the hell is wrong with you? You know, but that. They've never been in an accident. That's another that good one. Will, we didn't everything. talk about that one. That's another one. You get in an accident and you just freeze yeah. as if we need to have this evidence, this photograph of right. this is how it happened for this $200 accident <laughs> that the insurance company is going to settle in one email. Yeah. Right. You Just get to the side of the road safely and get out of traffic. That's what you're supposed to do. And, you know, here's another one that we didn't get to talk about. People dicking around in the left lane when you're oh, on two lanes don't, don't. and they're just driving slowly. You're, you got to stay to the right. The and left lane is for something... passing and speeding. It's not up to you how fast people drive. The law says stay to the right. And if you see lights behind you in a GT3, that's me telling you you're driving too slow in that lane. I'm back to flashing people and turning the lights on. Yeah. I've, I've had it. That's I have absolutely had it. They seem to respect more on the East Coast. They do. And in, in European nations, the, they all, Europe, they all Europe, know they that. absolutely get it. What in ends Europe. up happening now is the passing lane, at least on the PCH, but on the highways out here too, the passing lane is the right lane now. Yeah, Everybody's no, passing on the right. There's no passing lane. People, and but, but the other thing is I don't know what they teach when people learn to drive. I don't think people learn that. No. I don't think people learn to, you know, that the left lane is the, quote, fast lane. No. Or stay, They're nah, not keeping track of it. I don't think anyone's learning that. And, yeah, they'll get in the left lane. And and the other thing is, well, like we talked about distracted driving. And also people are just, like, rude. Like, yeah, it's my world. I'm going to drive the way I want to and you work around me. Right. You know? Exactly. Or That's they're, why. Or they're, or they're checked out. But I think, I think we all do that. I think I we miss, all have our days that we do that. I miss my Hummer. <laughs> I had an H2, and say what you want about it. Nobody messes with it's it. It's an intimidating vehicle. Yes, it There's is. Nothing, I, I'm assuming there are more fun, big guns in that one. Nothing more fun than putting a Hummer grill into someone's <laughs> rearview mirror because it takes up the whole, and they're like, get out the way. So, All right. Yeah. We're talking to Alonzo Bowden. Uh, we'll be right back with more Spikes Car Radio. Let's talk about Amsoil. You know why I like Amsoil? Because they're a bunch of car people. They're gearheads. They're into all kinds of power sports, and basically they get it. Recently, Amsoil created the guide to increasing horsepower in your vehicle. It has insider tips from some of the best in the business on coaxing more power out of your engine. And who doesn't want that? You can get your copy free at amsoil.com spike. That's my last name, amsoil.com spike. While there, find out more about Amsoil's synthetic motor oil, too. Like how Amsoil Signature Series synthetic motor oil delivers 75% more engine protection against horsepower loss and wear than required by a leading industry standard. Go to Amsoil.com spike to get your free insider's guide to increasing horsepower. Hey, it's Adam Carolla. Now, if you're hearing my voice, it means you like podcasting. And if you like podcasting, well, then you're going to love my show. Lots of funny segments, good bits, great guests, and of course, moi. That's Mexican for me. So check it out at Podcast One, iTunes, or wherever you, you listen to find podcasts. The Adam Corolla Show. Throw it in your phone. It's free. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. All right, we're back on Spike's Car Radio with Alonzo Bowden. Very funny stand-up comedian and also a motorcycle dude and a car dude, um, the Hummer. What's it? You collect cars right now? Do you no, have more I motorcycles? I, I, I have more motorcycles. I don't have room to collect cars. Right. You know, the cars take up a lot more space and a lot they more do. money. They do. <laughs> and so, what do you what so, do you have? So, your primary right now, mode of uh, my transport? primary car is a Mercedes GLE four fifty. Okay. And um, I just picked up um, up a nine nine six turbo. Oh, Porsche? Yeah. Oh, great. I, I love Porsche. Well, that's Porsche. good. You know, I'm, I've, I'm, I, I've been getting a lot of questions about the 996s, and people are wondering whether they should buy them or not. You know, What, what do you say to that? Um, I say yes. I mean, it is not the greatest car, although, and I was doing a lot of research on it before I got it. They said the turbo is a lot better than the 996 because the turbo had a different engine. 
Mm-hmm. So the turbo never had that problem with the main bearing. The IMS. Uh, the IMS bearing problem. So The much debated and the hotly debated IMS. It, it's what, the IMS <laughs> so the turbo thing, doesn't have that issue. No, turbo doesn't have that issue. Okay. Because the turbo kept the engine from the, they basically water-cooled the race engines from the- The uh, Metzger engine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, I, the, the IMS issue, people say either it happens or it doesn't. Right. You know, and but most of those cars have been fixed by now. I think if you can get a great deal on a nine nine six and you want a driver, then go ahead and get it. I don't. Th- I don't know that nine nine sixes are ever going to be collectible. You know, like you know, the GT. You know, I had a nine nine six GT three that I loved. A GT three is attention. different. Yeah, yeah a GT three yeah. is different. But but I mean, just you know, if you just have a regular nine nine six nine nine six S, but it's a great car. And what is your turbo? And, what what's it, what color is it? In- uh, it's a it's blue, which is an unusual color. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's blue. Uh, the guy who who I got it from who had it, and it's funny you mentioned Leno. Um, one of the better pieces of advice Jay gave me, he said. If you're going to buy an old car, buy it from somebody rich. They take take care of their stuff. So I found this one. I found this one at Scottsdale Ferrari. Uh The guy had traded it in and got a Ferrari. It it had really low miles. He had put the bigger turbos on it, uh, put coilovers on it. You know, it's in in pristine condition. and, And it's like, yeah, he's a rich guy. He has a few, you know, he's got a number of cars, takes care of them all, and they sit in his collection and he traded one. And And I got it. So, um, I think it's a great car. I don't. Again, I don't know if it'll ever be a collector car. What does it and, matter? But it's they're fun to drive. There's nothing like driving a 911. I think it's the greatest driver's car. Yeah. As far is. as collector cars, I mean, just as a basic rule of thumb, everyone that that a, a collector car is a car they don't make a lot of them. So, you know, when you, you ask about these cars where they made, you know, 10,000 or over 5,000 or even some in some cases over 3,000, they're, they're not really collectible if everybody can get them. What, what gets stuff collectible is this, this low number of examples and a competition, a global interest in them trying to get those examples. And that supply and demand, it's simple supply right. and demand. And then, certain- and then what you're talking about is, is there a car – that my money is safe in. Is there a healthy market for a mm-hmm. 996, right? Is there a healthy market for these cars? And that's – I don't know about you, but I, I always go first and foremost. I'll run right to eBay Motors and go, okay, GT3 RSs, the 991 new variant of the GT3 RS. Are they collectible right now and where are they trending? Well, look. There's seven pages of them on eBay yeah. Motors, and they start here and they end here, and most of them have no bids. That should tell, give you a good idea of where the market is on the yeah, cars, that's right? that's still a car to buy, to drive. And the 996s, yeah. I think they, they bottomed out. You know, I don't think they're going to get any no lower. No one was You're ever just... interested in this car right. because the, the previous incarnation variant was the 993, the last air-cooled Porsche. And there was a lot of, you know, consternation. There was a lot of uh, controversy mm-hmm. about this uh, water-cooled Porsche when it came along, right? Oh, a, f- a friend of mine, he was my mechanic and passed away recently. But he's old-school Porsche guy, right? And he called the water-cooled car. He's like, oh, those are luxury cars. Right. Like, he, like, you know, if it wasn't air-cooled to him, right. it's like, yeah, those are but, – But even looking at that, even looking at the air-cooled Porsches, right, because I had a couple. I had a, a 78 SC and an 88 uh, 930, which I'd kill to have back. But, yeah. But nobody knew – like, when I sold mine for 30-something thousand, right – Nobody knew it was going to be worth eighty thousand. Like nobody no, knew the air cooled car. The air cooled cars jumped up in like a three or four year period. They doubled, mm-hmm. tripled in value. Nobody saw that coming because if you had a nineteen eighties Porsche in the early two thousands, you just had an old car. Right, right. That's you didn't it. have anything super collectible or special or whatever. Right? And then suddenly. It became like, whoa, we want the air-cooled one. And like you said, the 993, I mean, I know a guy who had a 993 Turbo. He had a 96. That car is like a $200,000 car now, 
You know, it's but when insane. he when he traded it in, he traded it in on a on a newer model. <laughs> Seinfeld had a Turbo S turquoise, a famous car on the internet, and uh, he goes, "I'm getting rid of this. If you want it, here, take it for a week and drive it." <laughs> I remember getting in this turquoise 993 Turbo S is worth a lot of money right now. Bring it home, showed it to my wife, and she looked at. It, she goes, "I love this color." <laughs> she never liked stuff. And I said, "Yeah, I, I don't know." It used to be new, but it's not new anymore. I I, I don't know if I'm interested. It's Jerry's car, you know. You can probably get a good deal. And I'm like, yeah, boy, a huge regret. But like <laughs> you say, like as we sit here right now looking forward into time, everything is dark. You don't know where this market's going no, right you now, don't know. right? You just get something and, you know, get what you like. And, and the people, God bless you. Look, if you got the money and the space to just buy cars and sit on them and hope they'll be worth something in the future. <laughs> you know, and there's a lot of people who but are why like that, don't, right? But that's so, not what you want to do. So God bless you. But uh, You're I, a driver. You and I are drivers, yeah, right? I and and drive I'm mine. happiest in a car that I love to drive. I love the way it feels. I love to, to put it in gear, move it down the road. And whether it goes up or down, I don't quite care about. And it's probably going to go down. <laughs> no, and that's not true. A lot of stuff yeah. I buy goes up, but still, it doesn't make me any happier. Um, the, the financial part of it doesn't deliver happiness on a Saturday afternoon, right? Right. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, if you get into cars thinking I'm going to make investments and I'm going to make a killing, that's trouble. like you won't. You, no, you know, no, so that's you better, trouble. You better enjoy the car, right. whether you enjoy looking at it or the feel of it, or like we were talking about earlier, nostalgic, like it brings you back to a time in your life, right? Or, right? or a point like you had one, maybe you had one of these or it's the car you always dreamed of when you were a teenager right. or something like that. Then then go ahead and get it, man, and have fun. But yeah, if you're trying to figure out, you know, if you're like, eh, I don't really like this car, but it's going to be worth some money in 10 years. It's <laughs> like, yeah, it probably won't. <laughs> the only guys cleaning up there, Leno, Seinfeld, any of these other bigger collections right. that if they've been buying the for a while. Right, if you got the money to collect like that, then you, you know, then odds are you're going to have some stuff worth some money. And and even collectors, most of them don't. I don't know Jerry Seinfeld, but Jay, most of them don't match Jay in the fact that he knows everything in his garage. He's amazing, and He drives he? it all. He has fun. Like, we were friend of mine and I were just talking about this the other day. Jay is who most car nuts would be if you had that kind of money. Yeah, right. And no kids. Right. That's the other thing I add to Jay's and equation. He gets to <laughs> he gets to enjoy and play with the toy. Like Leno's Garage, I do, you know, I do episodes with him. I saw you. You did the uh the last thing I saw with you was the Ural yeah, motorcycle, the off-road. Yeah. What did you think of that bike? Cuz I drove it on Car Matchmaker and it did not impress me. Um <laughs> A dealer, really slow. a dealer who sold those, and he said there was a Ural club that met at his dealership everywhere, and he said, described it perfectly, it's the most fun you can have at 45 miles an hour. Right, exactly. You know, they're slow, they're clunky. They're Russian-made. They're made. fun at what they do. They're better now. Like, they don't, they, the, the older ones, the five years ago, they just fell apart as you were riding. Like, things just <laughs> fell off. And this don't, and that. So, now, it's a Russian company? Yeah. And they have, and, they make them or they bring them in through Portland, Oregon? Through Seattle, I think. Through, I think Seattle. through Seattle. And it, it doesn't it have a shaft that drives the, got, the, 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 the wheel of the car as well? Yeah. We, the <laughs> sidecar ones, the ones we had, they're, they're two wheel drive. With no differential. Right, right. So when you engage the second wheel, you can't turn. Yeah. You know, and you have to either either pull in the clutch or pull it out of two-wheel drive just right, to turn. Right, right. there's no differential. Those tires are turning at the same speed, and you'll just plow forward. And it but, makes it very unwieldy, it yeah. may, except when you're off-road, right? That's what you like use that, that for. I mean, that's what makes it fun, right? That's what, Anytime you have something weird like that. Mm-hmm. You know, again, you don't you don't want it to be your vehicle that you have to get to work on. No, but it's something to play with. You know, it's something fun. It's like the uh, what is it the um, the three wheelers that are out now. You know, the, yeah, the Polaris. They're things. the same way. The slingshot. Yeah, the slingshot is a blast, but I would never want to have to go somewhere <laughs> in it. Just but but on I feel Sunday bad morning, for, you know, I I've driven them and they are so much fun to drive, but you look so ridiculous in yeah, them. Yeah, it's um, a toy. It's a toy. I 
my kids uh, who are young, nine and seven, really like the way it looks. But I always feel like, do you remember driving down the the, the highway when you were a kid and you'd see like a guy on a trike, the the, the Harley yeah. guy, there'd yeah. be a row of them, then there'd be one big fat guy on mm-hmm. a trike and you'd go, oh, that guy. Yeah. That's what I feel like the Polaris is nowadays. It's this oddity that is yeah, uh, a lot of fun to drive, but you can never look good in it. Uh, some people I've seen have customized them, done little <laughs> stuff with them. But to me, that's one Add of those things. Wheel. This is it's like this is one of those things that you rent, you don't buy. That's right. Yes, yes. You know, you exactly. You, wanna, you, you rent one and you blast around on it and they thank you and give it back. It's the non-committal nature of the vehicle that I don't like. It's yeah. neither car nor motorcycle. Right. Like the person can't make up their mind. <laughs> but it's it's a lot of fun. Now the Can Am Spider. I don't know if you've ridden that. I've one. seen that. You know who I saw on that thing was uh, uh, Lovitz. I'm pretty oh, yeah? sure John Lovitz. Somebody gave him one. Yeah, and I see, saw him riding around on it. That one isn't <laughs> as much fun, but their market is caught people in cars who want the they want to feel like they're riding a motorcycle, but this thing is safer because it's on three wheels. It mm. won't tip over and blah blah sure. blah. And the other <laughs> the other person they get is the person who rides motorcycles but can't hold them up anymore because they're getting older or they they had an injury, you know, right, right. leg injury or something like that. But but I think the um, slingshot's more fun because the slingshot has too much engine. Mm-hmm. You know, the Polaris is, like, safe. I'm drawn to these uh, BMW R9Ts. That's yeah. that's the one that uh, is on my uh, home screen a lot, and I'm my, my cursor hovering over the buy it now. But, Devin, yeah. <laughs> I drive right now. The only motorcycle I have is a 66 uh, Triumph Bonneville okay. that I've had for a long time. And mm-hmm. it... You know, I, I do that so that I'm not on the road a lot. My kids are still young, and if I go out, that's it. That's mm-hmm. the end of them, right? No more cheeseburgers for them. Um, but I uh, I love that bike. Do you drive old bikes like that? Do you- I'm not, I've never been a vintage guy, although I am in the process. And when I say I'm in the process of rebuilding, I mean my mechanics are rebuilding, and I'm paying for uh, <laughs> a CBX. We're doing a, a 1980 CBX, and we're converting really? it to a Street Fighter. Wow. Yeah. And because that was one of those that I always wanted one of those. Yeah. You know, and, and I found online and, and tell your listeners, just Google Hulk CBX. It was the ugliest motorcycle ever. This guy wanted to, to do the Hulk thing. And you know, the Hulk is like green and purple. This came out sort of a seafoam green and pink. <laughs> it was just horrible. So I said I didn't buy it so much as I rescued it. And, so um, you're 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 taking that apart and turning it into something down new, completely to the frame, even cutting the frame because we're doing a single sided swing arm on it. And yeah, just going to make this crazy street fighter out of it. Wow! And then where will you ride that? I, I it'll be a Sunday afternoon bike and a show bike. Um, you know, just. Yeah, just something to take out Sunday afternoons, take it to the rock store, right. go to the vintage rides in Venice, and just... But see, I've always loved the CBX, but you know, bikes back then in the 80s, definitely in the 70s and through the first half of the 80s, they were more engine than frame. Like right. The, the frame and the tires couldn't handle the engine, mm-hmm. so I always wanted to get a CBX and modernize it, put on the suspension from a modern bike and tires from a modern bike so that you can actually ride it. And mm-hmm. that, that was the initial idea. And then my um, my mechanics, who, who I love, were like, well, let's spend more of Alonzo's money <laughs> and go all the way. I've been obsessed with the CB750s. It's always Hondas for me because yeah. that Honda dealership in my hometown. Mm-hmm. But I love those, uh, the Sandcast CB750 Man, and then all of the that little 70s decade of Hondas are the yeah. ones that make me crazy. The 750s, all the Cafe Racer guys. Oh, they're, they're, they're cutting those they've up? They've been digging those up and cutting them up. And it, yeah, the 750s are getting harder to find. They're still out there because there were so many of them. What is a nice CB750 going to cost me? Ooh, it 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 totally depends on condition. Mm-hmm. Anywhere from three thousand to over ten grand, depending yeah. on condition. Because they, it's like it's probably the number one vintage bike. Because like your your Triumph, right? The old British. Yeah, bike, yeah. There just aren't that many of them around, right? And the Hondas, and the, you know the Hondas, and it's probably principally Hondas, and then some Kawasaki's from the seventies. You know, especially the old Kawasaki two strokes. 
which were bombs, which were, you know, it was a death trap to get on that thing. It was all engine and, and no brakes. Right. <laughs> but those are the really popular ones. So the value of those is going is going up, especially if, you know, it's like anything else, like finding one that hasn't been cut up or right, right. somebody who didn't know what they were doing tried to make a cafe racer out yeah. of it. Yeah, low mileage, original examples yeah, are always the are, best. Uh, Where do you hunt for stuff? Where do you find stuff? I don't, you know, um, online. Yeah, online. But again, I'm not a big vintage guy. You know, my friend Mike Seat, who has that magazine, Cafe Racer, mm-hmm. like he was behind the whole thing. I don't know if you've ever had talked to Mike. He's always looking for stuff like that. Mike's always at those old vintage bike rallies, and he's one of those guys who can spend all day walking the aisles. Right. And then he sees the frame from a 1957 <laughs> Featherbed Norton, and oh, I got to have this. It's like, all right, Mike, I'm going to go buy a Multistrata. Isn't it amazing how much stuff is still out there? <laughs> it's out there because it, there's you know. so much stuff. We, we had a guy uh, that we were just hanging out with uh, yesterday who had just uncovered this beautiful old 350. Six that right yeah. here in LA that no one knew about, and there's there's so many beautiful old cars and motorcycles that are just in garages. And I read a story. I think it was in Huntington Beach, somewhere in Southern California. A guy found the first Honda Civic, the six no way. Honda six hundred. They did an article. Automobile Magazine did an article about it. Serial number one. Remember when it was a six hundred? Yeah. When it had a six hundred cc. He found it. Yeah. It was. It was like <laughs> in some storage thing. This and that. And he realized like this is the first one. And apparently there's a guy who restores those. And he got it to that guy. That guy and said. And then I think Honda has it now. I think Honda bought it back. Yeah, from I'll him bet. Or I'll whatever. bet they wanted but, yeah, that. They got. You know, so yeah, there's all kind of stuff. And and Leno told me about one he found. He found like a, I think it was a seventy one nine eleven, and he said yeah, it was under some um, somebody's apartment or townhome, and it was one of those. Yeah, the woman, the husband died, uh-huh. and the woman like pulled the cover off this old car mm-hmm. that the husband kept downstairs, and it was a beautiful seventy one nine eleven. And, wow, you know. that's the one he's hot rodding, right? Yeah, I think so. I yeah. know he's approaching yeah. it like Aleno approaches that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> he's you doing never know all... what he's going to do. No, I, yeah, I heard what he was going. He's it's a T, and he's hot rodding it to like an, an RS, and yeah, that's cool. That's that's cool. But uh, yeah, um, there's stuff out there, you know, you know. And now the internet changed everything, right? Because now everybody who's looking can get in touch with each other, and that. Thing that sat around that was just junk. Somebody wants to buy it. You just right, gotta, right. You just got to get the picture out there on the internet. And... Well, it's always I get asked all the time where to find old Porsche stuff and 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 these old cars. And there's real there's really no easy answer for that. It's to the, this last car that I bought. Um, it was just constant searching, constant searching dealer websites. The PCA Mart, which is the Porsche Club of America. If you're a member, you can search their stuff. But I, very rarely does that yield anything. You just start to get a sense of the market. You, you start talking to people, and something always pops up because of it. But yeah. you, you know what I mean? I, I'm eBay Motors straight on to the forums. I'm all over the place because you're not – more often than not, you're not buying the reputation of a dealer who's selling these cars. You're, you're looking for that one example that someone has, and sometimes a bad guy has it. Yeah, you know, and you're trying to, you just got to know what you're looking for. A friend of mine, he said, "Man, you you'd be safer surfing porn late at night because <laughs> you're you're always surfing these car websites or bike websites, right? Yeah. Or just some random Craigslist thing, or you're looking at one thing and then you click on something else, and the That's next right. thing you know, you're like, oh. But but I think the advantage of doing that is you get more and more an idea of what's on the market and how much it costs." So when you see the right one or you see a good one, like this is what happened with this 996 I bought. Like I had just been looking and looking and seeing various examples. And one thing I like, this Carfax thing, you find out how many owners the car had. So mm-hmm. sometimes you see a car, you know, a car's 15 years old, blah, blah, blah. Then you find out it had eight owners. And you're like, mm, yeah, there's a reason for that. Right. You know? so, so 
when I found this car, it's like it's on the third owner and the mileage is low and it's a service history. Then you're like, yeah, this is a good one. Grab it. Yep. Because you're you're seeing what's out there in the market. And know? if you can get a name, call that guy up who owned it. That yeah. guy, the two guys back, is not lying to you. He no, will tell you no. the truth about that no, car. He, he, he remembers. <laughs> right. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. one. guy, if it's at a dealer, one guy back, he might lie. Yeah. <laughs> but the guy before him is going to <laughs> tell you the truth. So, um Anyway, we can catch up with you doing comedy. You said at Christmas here in L.A. I, I see your name on the sign all the time. Oh, there yeah, as I'm driving yeah, down Laugh Sunset. Factory Improv, and then in New York, what, do you do? You talk about politics in your oh, act? Oh, absolutely. What, what's yeah. your act about? I mean, I do topical stuff. So, so oh, I'm, oh yeah, you know. So I, I, it's politics, it's social issues. I mean, I also do the you know the relationship stuff and the life stuff that because that's funny too. And you need a break. Yeah, you can't, you can't pound politics and you know it's it's the elephant in every room right now right? yeah like right now like sexual harassment right like sexual harassment got i haven't been charged and i feel somewhat lazy i, I honestly <laughs> you feel, feel a like little left out at some point i should have stepped up my game but but no you can't you know so it's so that's, you're just daring someone right. to call in that's you the just kind of dare, stuff you talk about because because right. It's right here in society. Everyone's talking about it, you know. And and I I said the other night, I said, man, you know, we've taken a break from our summer racism to move into our (laughs) fall of sexual abuse. Like, we've lost our minds as a nation. Well, it's funny. So you just ride, you know, that's what I talk about. I talk about what's going on. Because with, with especially with politics, you know, in fact, I, we keep going back to Jay Leno in this episode, but I heard Jay saying uh, uh, to Jerry at this premiere of his Netflix thing, you know, it's nice to have a break from the politics. Yeah. Yet. You know, I'm tuning in to Bill Maher every Friday just to to hear more of it, to hear to laugh about it. Like, you know, there well, there are two ways to think about that. Like, I'll go into a Game of Thrones run to get away from it all, and then I'll then I'll want to just dive right into I don't know Rachel Maddow, Bill Maher, right. and then the late night shows to laugh about it. What's right? interesting right now is the um, it's taken Stephen Colbert to the top. Yeah. Right? He's right. become the number one guy. Yes. And Fallon has fallen way behind him and Kimmel because Fallon doesn't touch it. Yeah. And, and that's can't... Thi- that's cyclical, though. That, you know, when I used to yeah. write for Letterman back in the day, that always happened. When there, when there was a political news cycle, the Daily Show would get all the heat. And then when, you know, politics has never dominated a news cycle like it's been dominating because now. Because we've never had a situation like this. And you can't pretend that Trump isn't happening. Right. You know what I mean? You can't <laughs> right. pretend it's not happening. Right. So you you have to, on some level, acknowledge it. You know, I tell people that. It's like, look, I'm not going to do the whole set on it. But you got to – you can't act like you haven't heard. <laughs> right. You know? It's so – and, it's and I think – Yeah. You, so and, – and it's interesting because you're well, talk, that, talking is, about Letterman and Leno. Like, Leno would hit on it. But Letterman's been saying – he says, like, if I was on air now – my whole show would be Trump. He was like, I'd be of doing course. a full show on Trump every night. So yeah, it's dominating the news cycle. You, you find, yeah, you have to find as a comic, you find out how much works for you. That I always say, the fortunate thing for me is nobody comes into my show expecting me to be pro-Trump. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I, I have some friends who they're, they're like that. Like it's 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 a straight white male liberal, <laughs> right? And but the audience comes in and they're thinking, oh, this guy's going to be in, and they're like, and it, it turns. You yeah. Know? Right. It turns. Right. Right. That happens when they hit when they hit the red states. They, but, you know. But it must be so hard if you're gonna like I always think if I get back. Or got back to seriously thinking about doing stand-up. I, you know, I did it on TV for a while and, and then um, tried it, but it was just like with kids, it was too hard to start putting an act together at 10 o'clock, right? And more focused on creating shows at this point. But I, I think when you say topical, and I'm a topical comedian, are you, how much new stuff are you having to write every week? It's constant. As opposed to putting it, together an act that you're honing. It, it's almost like there isn't time to hone stuff. It, it is rotating Continuously, so you're writing monologue jokes for yourself when you yeah, go out there every night. Yeah, I mean, I, because there's there's always another name. There's always, <laughs> you know what I mean. It, it, it's like you need some Papadopoulos jokes. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> man, can you keep? You know, like okay, like last week, you know, I, I was do okay. I'll give you an example of how it changes. So I was doing this joke about Harvey Weinstein and Roger Ailes, mm-hmm. right? And you had here's two guys who couldn't be more far apart, right? 
Hollywood liberal elite, blah, 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 conservative, rich, you know, Trump got blah, blah. You know what I mean? Only thing we can agree on. Let's grab the intern, right? <laughs> right. So then I just rewrote the joke and filled in Ma- um, Matt Lauer and Bill O'Reilly. Like, same thing. This <laughs> right, is change right. of names. Oh, there but, you go. Yeah, but it's the same. Right. You know, and and so we have this, but you, and then, so you're talking about that. And who is and that? Like, who boom, is it? Michael Flynn just got, oh, man, I got to start writing about that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so right. You're writing one joke. While something and then something and it's not something small. It's not something you can ignore. Right. You can't keep working on the Matt Lauer, you know, uh, <laughs> Louis C.K. joke. No. While Flynn is being indicted, you're like, I gotta acknowledge, you know. So yeah, yeah. So it's it's a constant thing. So yeah, there isn't time for honing. You just jump in the well, make it funny, and then keep moving. I love it. It sounds great, man. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to come see you. It sounds good. Uh, Thank this you. is Alonzo Bowden. You can see him here in L.A. and at Gotham in New York over yes. the holiday season. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. It's this very nice great, to meet man. you. Thanks. Great meeting you um, and, and a fun podcast. And, it, yeah, this is one of those situations where we know a lot of the same people. We probably cross paths at the same thing and, like, I don't know each other. No. Did you make the L.A. Auto Show? Anything there? I was uh, – I did stop in there. Porsche lured me down. Yeah, there were a lot of uh, interesting uh, things that were getting plugged into walls. Every car brand had something yeah, that was being plugged is, into a wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Electric is where it's going. Some of them I'm cool with. Um, some of them I'm like, meh, indifferent. But there, there's, still, there's still some cool stuff out there, you know. It, but but they had this one display where it was like a fleet of Priuses, and I was like, oh my nightmare! <laughs> There's my hell. There's my hell. There's twelve Priuses coming at me all at once. Alonzo Bowden, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next week on Spike's Car Radio. Real quick before we go, when you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure that you're getting real pricing on actual inventory. Unfortunately, a lot of times this isn't the case. People configure cars online only later to find out they're not available. This just happened to my brother. Well, with True Car, you get real pricing on actual inventory. This is not pricing offered by True Car, but pricing from an actual dealer. And not just any dealer, but a True Car certified dealer. This is a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. Next, TrueCar will show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. Now you know what a fair price is, so you can feel confident. And don't we all want to feel confident? Over 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. There are over 13,000 TrueCar Certified Dealers nationwide. You will work directly with a TrueCar Certified Dealer contact. TrueCar users are more likely to enjoy a fast buying process when they connect with TrueCar Certified Dealers. TrueCar users save an average of over $3,000 off MSRP. When you're ready to buy, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. And guess what? I'm not telling you what features and what states. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.